Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi everyone and welcome to On The House, the Household Management Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with expert knowledge from professionals in the field. I'm your host, Gabriella Yastra, coming to you from NAM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's get started. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Um, we're here today to talk about washing natural fibers with a very special guest. Um, it's my dad. Hi. Um, Hello. Do you want to introduce yourself for anyone who doesn't know you, unlike me? Yes, yes. Uh, my name is Jan. Um, I was um, born in the Netherlands, brought up in Australia, um, and my first degree was in textiles. Uh, and that's been a great passion of mine for many decades. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to start with a little segment we call Have You Met Jan? Yes. Um, so um, what was your, what's your favorite book? My favorite book is Pamela Claburn's Dictionary of Embroidery, which I read cover to cover and have read so many times over the years, um, just to learn techniques and, and look at historic examples. And uh, I've had the book for maybe 40 years now and still a ready reference for me. I'm not sure if I read that one. I'll have to steal it from you. Yes. Um, is there a movie or show that you've been watching? I love historic dramas because of all the costumes in them and the textiles that they use. Um, I've been going through Last Kingdom, uh, which is about Alfred the Great and uh, that period of um, Viking invasion. Um, and all of the textiles and the costumes are really fabulous. Have you ever been to any of those textile TV um, museums? I've been to a couple um, in Europe. Um, of course, there's not so much here. I just remember I follow some on Instagram. Right, yeah. Um, and that's always very interesting watching. Um, they had the marvelous Mrs. Maisel costumes oh, in right. one. Yes. That's more my speed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you listen to any podcasts? I like to listen to, I listen to the ABC podcasts, um, particularly when I'm driving long distance. And I love the ones which are talking about people's lives and where they've come from, particularly in Australia, which is so multicultural and people coming from different ethnic backgrounds and uh, the different perspectives that they uh, bring to life. Uh, what's, uh, who's someone that you listened to recently? Oh, I can't recall anyone in particular. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do you have a role model or an artist that you look up to? I love the work of Cafasat. Um, I saw him oh, maybe 30 years ago uh, at the exhibition buildings in, in Melbourne. He came and did a, a talk there on his knitting. But he also does a lot of stitching, which I also do, um, and, and designs all sorts of te textiles, which are just filled with colour. And I just love using lots of different colours. How many different types of um, textile work do you do? 
I stitched. That was the first thing that I learned from when I was about mm, six years old. I started stitching. So that's um, embroidery. Embroidery. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of um, ecclesiastical embroidery, applique. I make vestments for churches, ultra frontals, banners. Um, I do tapestry stitching. Um, and also I work in a lot in, uh, in weaving. That's my main area. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a course that you've completed recently or is there one that sticks out in particular? I haven't done any courses recently because of all the lockdowns and things like that. I'd really like to learn how to, my sister just did a course in how to make boots in Tasmania uh, with lunar designs. And I would love to go and learn how to do that. So I might enroll in that in September. Would you fly down to Tasmania? Well, yes. Wow. That's, uh, that would be really cool. I'd want to do that too, but. Well, you might have to join me. September. Yes. I've got uni. I have a job. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll start uh, get started with the with the interview now. Yep. Um, why do you think household management is important? Well, uh, we need to live in clean environments. That's an important thing. Um, part of the work which I did. Um, when I was um, based in Hong Kong, was actually working with, with um, a leprosarium. And one of the issues there uh, is cleanliness. And uh, leprosy, for example, can be eliminated through good hygiene. Um, and so that is an absolute fundamental. And of course, we don't face that problem um, in our daily lives here in Australia. Uh, but for many people throughout the world, it does. Um, but keeping our houses um, reasonably clean and, and tidy makes for, for good health um, and makes for functionality of the home. Yeah, I can imagine if you've got allergies, um, having a dirty home would make it much harder to manage those. Absolutely. And, and the environment in which we live, I live in, in central Melbourne, um, and that has um, high particulate um, pollution. And you really notice it when you're cleaning the house, uh, that there is that, that sort of extra layer of dust. Mm. What are some misconceptions about household management? That everything has to be absolutely sterilised, because in fact it's not good for your health to have everything absolutely uh, sanitised all the time. Uh, we need to be exposed uh, to um, particulates, and, but in limited amounts. Um, and same with, with bacteria. If you live in, in a, um, a, a totally sterile environment, as soon as you leave that environment, you get sick. Mm. I think we're finding that at the moment. Um, Very much after, after COVID, mm-hmm. uh, where people were so particular about how they, um, how they lived. We're always masking up and cleaning the house and sterilizing things. Um, now they're going out and, and the flu is so common where for two years we've had virtually no flu. Um, and so it's important for people to protect against those things. Um, but also, um, to, to live a natural and normal life and to get exercise and go outside. Yes. And don't sanitize every single second of the day. Absolutely. Um, so... 
How would you define laundry? And why, yeah, why is that important to do? Well, all of us want to have clean clothes and we want to smell good or we don't want to smell bad. Um, and we want the household to, to man clean. For bedding, for example, uh, you need to keep your bedding washed on a regular basis because otherwise you get all sorts of, of um, uh, things living in your bed that you don't really want. And as soon as you do an investigation of that, you think, oh, could I possibly sleep there? But the more we can clean things uh, for laundry and take them and wash them, it's much healthier. So how often should you, say, wash bed sheets? If I had my choice, I would have clean bed sheets every day. But of course, that's not practical. I think once a week is is good at the at the outset once a fortnight. And what about for like other particles of clo- uh, articles of clothing? Well, some articles of clothing I discard and wash every day. Underwear is always cleaned every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like woolen jumpers um, every every few weeks, but they don't need to be done all the time. Wool is naturally dirt resistant, so um, that helps. I didn't know um, uh, wool was dirt resistant. Yes. How does that work? Well, it's just the the, the way the fibres are, are structured. They they don't readily absorb um, uh, body smells and and things like that. The, there is a certain natural resistance in in those fibres. You you mentioned that wool is a natural fibre. What um, are there other types of natural fibres, and what are natural fibres? There are two main classes of natural fibres. There are protein fibres. Uh, which is all animal um, products, so um, alpaca, um, wool, um, uh, all of the the different sorts, cashmere, and and all of those sorts of things um, are all protein-based fibers. And the the other sort, the other sort of natural fiber is the cellulose fibers, which are like cotton, linen, um, and viscose. And, uh, or rayon comes into that category as well um, because they are a manufactured uh, um, cellulose fiber. So do the cellulose ones come from plants and the other one comes basically, from basically yes animals yes okay yes um, do they have different properties? Very different properties um, and are used for for different things because the chemical structures of them are very different. Um, and so, for example, linen was uh, was very commonly used in past centuries for all household goods. Um, so bed sheets and things like that were always made of linen. Uh, linen has very long fibres um, and, and the chemical bonds in them are very long, uh, which makes it very strong and very hard-wearing. And so in medieval times, Cotton was hardly thought of, um, and nearly everything was made out of linen. Um, and that that went through right up until the middle of the 20th century when uh, cotton became much more um, prevalent for, for bedding, for example. Why did it change? Simply because of the cost of production. The cost of production of, of um, cotton fibres is so much lower than that of linen. Linen actually takes a lot of processing to... to release the fibers from the original flax. Okay. Yeah. And for wool or the animal-based yes. um, 
fabrics. Um, what are they used for mainly? Uh, well, they can be used for anything, for upholstery, for curtaining, for clothing. Um, it depends on on what they're used for. Um, but generally, um, wool is not good as an undergarment unless it's very, very fine merino. Um, I remember growing up with hand-knitted underwear made by my grandmother, which was the most uncomfortable thing you could possibly wear. Um but in in her day and age, um, that was what they had because they were able to knit that themselves. They were able to knit all of the underwear themselves. I would never think to wear knitted underpants. No, they were awful. <laughs> I still bear the scars. Oh, dear. Um, they'd be so itchy. Uh, yes. Um, and so how are they different from synthetic fibres? Synthetic fibres are a chemical product and, and certainly the petrochemical industry has contribute, contributed a lot of um, uh, chemicals that can be used and made into, into fibres and some of them are very, very worthwhile, uh, very waterproof, very warm, very light, um, but they don't breathe in the same way as natural fibres do. My preference is always to, to wear natural fibres because they're so much more comfortable. But a lot of the new polyesters, for example, it is almost impossible to tell them from silk, from real silk. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly um, some of them are very comfortable to wear. Mm. I know that I have a lot of synthetic clothes, um, mainly for keeping warm in winter. Well, you'll actually find that natural fibres are much warmer than the uh, than most of the um, synthetic fibres. Um, I do find the other issue is cost. Well, that is um, a always a big problem because um, synthetic fibres can be uh, manufactured in in vast in, in, in uh, vast quantities and much more cheaply than the natural fibres. Um, and the better the natural fibre, the more expensive it is. Um, so, for example, uh, I'm wearing a possum jumper at the moment because it's very cold outside, uh, and possum is very expensive to buy. And one of the reasons is that every fibre of, of a possum fur actually is hollow inside. So, therefore, without adding weight, uh, it increases the amount of warmth um, that, that that garment provides. Mm, but um, it's much more expensive to, to buy. Well, yes. Yeah. Um, possum jumpers are, are at least twice the cost of of, uh, of even a merino jumper, which is all, also really good quality. Mm. And so what are some other downsides to natural fibres? Well, natural fibres need to be maintained properly, and that's the, the crucial thing. Um, if you are, particularly as we're talking about laundering, if you're laundering um, wool, for example, uh, you have to make sure the, that it's not exposed to too much agitation or too much heat or too much acid or alkaline. So you, you need to have a, a balance in how you do it. If any two of those factors are present, so if you have heat and a lot of agitation, wool will always felt. Mm -hmm. Or if there is a lot of acid present, for example, when you're dying um, and you have too much heat and too much acid, the wool will felt. Uh, and then the fibres actually contract in on themselves 
um, and and don't have the breathability or movability. Mm. Now, in some cases, you want water felt um, because it also makes it impervious to to the wind. Uh, so hats and things like that are really and, and coats used to be made of felt um, because they were windproof. I've seen felted wool fabric available, but I hadn't realized that was why. Yeah, it's felted. Yeah, mm. yeah. In 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 uh, manufacturing plants, they have ways which they can really control the felting process so that you end up with a very smooth, very beautiful, but very windproof um, garment. So you mentioned as well that um, the pH yes. um, of the uh, of the garment yeah. um, affects um, felting. So does that include like detergents? Yeah, some detergents. If you add too much detergent or the wrong sort of detergent, um, that's why you use when you uh, launder wool, for example, you use a wool wash, which is a which is neutral pH, um, and. Uh, that stops that uh, or helps prevent that felting. So when you're washing wool, do you rec um, how do you recommend you go about it? Well, I've become very lazy in the last few years because I, I have a new washing machine that has a 15-minute cold wash cycle on it and I put all of my woolens into that um, uh, with the wool wash um, and then they come out. But if you're doing it by hand, um, it doesn't take a... a a lot of work to do it um, and a, a good thing to remember when you're using wool wash is don't rinse it out afterwards um, because just wring it dry and leave the wool wash in the fiber because it doesn't affect the fiber at all um, but what it does do is it puts eucalyptus and, and various other things that are uh, preventative for moth attack and that's the other downside of course of of um, all natural fibers is that uh, other creatures like them as well as humans and some of them like to munch on them and put holes into your jumpers and silverfish uh, love silk and they love cotton and linen and will attack them. So is there anything we can do to prevent um, other insect attacks on our clothing? Well laundering is one of the ways that you can prevent it because um, you may notice that when at the beginning of winter you pull your favourite uh, cashmere jumper out and uh, you find it's got holes in it, it's generally got holes where uh, where it has been worn um, because that's what the, the little critters, the moths, like. Um, they don't necessarily like clean fibres, they like them dirty. So that's what happened to my jumper. <laughs> uh, well, I lost a couple this beginning of winter, mm -hmm. yes. Um, so other than wool, um, how would you wash, say, cotton or linen? Uh, cotton and linen are both very easy to wash. Cotton um, and linen both actually get stronger when they get wet. So once you've immersed cotton into, into water, um, the chemical bonds in the fibre itself are actually strengthened. Um, so therefore you can, they can take a lot more laundering than say wool or silk garments, um, and so therefore, uh, that's why they were used for bed uh, for bedding and tablecloths and things like that that actually needed a lot of washing, um, because they benefit from it in some ways, um, and linen particularly um, becomes softer and and more lustrous um, as it's used and worn. Okay. 
So just throw it in the washing machine. All of mine goes into the washing machine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and with all of, so you mentioned before with alpaca and merino, yes. do you wash them all the same way as wool? They are all are washed the same way as wool. Mm. Um, and yeah, they're, they're all um, protein fibers and they need, they can be handled in the same way. The only protein fiber which is different is silk. Um, and that has a very similar co- uh, chemical bond, but the, the structure is different. Um, silk loses 20 to 30 percent of its strength when it gets wet uh, and so therefore you need to handle it much more gently um, when you are washing um, silk. I will not put silk things into a washing machine for example they will always be hand washed um, and if you are if for example you have um, a silk blouse um, that you are washing and you want to keep it looking really good wash it in hair shampoo and then um, put conditioner on it before you rinse it out Um, because the structure is the same as hair it's the same chemical Uh, and so therefore the things that affect um, silk or affect your hair also affect silk and um, you're able to restore if if for example it's happened in the past uh, that a silk blouse got into the washing machine and was washed with everything else and came out looking half dead, well, you take it, put it into the sink with shampoo, wash it with shampoo, and then liberal amount of conditioner, and then flat dry it, um, and it will restore. Mm. Um, I did, I, I read somewhere that um, when you're sewing a garment, um, before you sew anything, you throw the whole piece of fabric in the wash, regardless of what it's made of, Yes. And you wash it the same way that you would after it's made. Um, does that work? If I had uh, yes. um, two meters of a wool fabric, merino, and I threw it in the washing machine, um, cold wash, no wool or anything, just yeah. a normal, would that work? Uh, yes, because it will pull in a little bit or shrink a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do, you mostly only need to do that with cotton and linen fabrics. Um, because they will shrink quite a lot once washed. Uh, and so many, many times you, I, I've bought shirts in the past and they've been a beautiful fit, and then they go through the washing machine and come out and they're a size smaller than they were before they went in. Um, that, that prevents that happening, um, particularly if you're doing something in calico. Calico will shrink sometimes 40% um, and, and really pull in a lot. Um, so it's always best with, with those sorts of fibers. If you're making, uh, for example, if you're a quilter, um, sometimes there's a lot of dressing on the, on the very fine cottons and it's actually best to hand wash them, not machine wash, but hand wash them, um, before you actually use them and then, then, um, press them and then cut out, cut out because it saves the heartbreak of having a beautiful quilt all finished and then it gets washed and and one or two patches shrink and the rest of the fibers don't. Mm. So you mentioned as well that you've bought some shirts that you've, you know, fit really well and then shrank. Is there any way you can prevent that from happening? Well, you can wash by hand in cold water. Um, That can can help. Also, um, if you have, um, say, an Indian cotton shirt and it's very brightly colored, uh, when you wash it, don't put it into your washing machine. 
wash it by hand and put in liberal amount of salt because the salt will help to fix the dye um, in the and, and you won't lose so much color from it. And would you say hot water or cold water? As soon as you put heat into it, there's always a greater risk of shrinkage. So always um, wash with cold water. Well, you can yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do nearly all of my washing in cold water. What wouldn't you wash with cold water? Um, tea towels. I like because they get grease and stuff in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I always put them on the hottest wash that my my washing machine will do. Uh, but I keep all of those all of those aside, all the dishcloths and and um, and I keep them to the side and maybe only wash them once a month. So I end up with the whole machine full um, and then put them on the really hot wash um, because that cleans them. The other alternative, if you've got tea towels that have had a lot of grease exposure, for example, you've picked up a pot of chicken soup and it's got fat on the top and it's spilt on the tea towel. It's hard to get that out and you get a chicken smell for a long time. You boil them. Ah. There's no, no harm in actually putting them into a saucepan and, and boiling them on the stove with a bit of detergent because that will really clean the tea towels out. I hadn't thought of ever boiling any of my fabrics at home. No, you can do that. So uh, what are some other ways to take care of clothes? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, important thing is to make sure they are stored properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and as with uh, the jumpers, what I should have done last winter uh, is get vacuum seal, uh, seal bags at the end of winter and put all of my favorite jumpers into that and vacuum seal them um, over the summer because that's when little moths and things like that are, are most prevalent. Um, and, and then they can't gnaw holes in, in your favorite clothes. But storing um, is really important. Um, also making sure that they're kept dry. Um, so you don't, don't leave them somewhere where, say, on the laundry floor, if you've got an outdoor laundry, you don't leave them there where it could be damp. Um, so but not many people have outdoor laundries anymore. I think I'm showing my age. Um, but um, it's important to keep them aired um and jackets and things hanging up um otherwise they lose shape and they lose condition and and look terrible Mm. and what are some common mistakes you see people making Mm. i think i think the the um the biggest problem is just putting everything in together um when you're washing um and you come out with pink t-shirts uh, or blue T-shirts when you really want them to be white because you've mixed all your colours in, in the wash. I, te- I do tend to separate my wash so that all the whites go together. Um, towels go together as a separate item and then uh, mixed colours um, go together. Uh, and that stops that from happening. Also, if you've got new clothes, uh, new jeans, for example... Um, it's really important that the first time you wash them, um, that you wash them by themselves, um, or with things which are exactly the same color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the dye, particularly um, uh, in jeans, is blue is the least stable dye, um, and so therefore uh, it's one which is very likely to run, uh, and denim uh, is notorious for that. Yes, I have washed. Um 
I always wash my jeans in all, with all my dark clothes. Yeah. Because I've seen exactly some um, lovely dye work. Yes, yes. I suppose it's an easy way to do tie-dye. Uh, well, if you're prepared for it, yes. Yeah. How about um, like ironing? Would you recommend ironing clothes? Absolutely. I um, even iron my bed sheets um, because it's just so much nicer when you get into bed and it's all smooth and and wrinkle free um i only have poly uh, uh, not polyester i ha only have cotton bed sheets um for that breathability i know you've, there are lots of um alternatives available these days i wouldn't recommend them um because you get hot and sweaty and and you, you don't want that you don't want to be sleeping in that environment um but um yes Certainly ironing clothes. I always press jumpers when I, after I've washed them. Um, I have a, um, a steam force iron, which is more steam than, than actual radiant heat. Um, and so therefore I just put them on the, on the ironing board and, and hold the um, iron about half an inch uh, or one centimetre over, uh, over the garments and then just steam them uh, and then fold them up and put them in the cupboard. Um, so what is a laundry practice that you use at home all the time? Well, I think I've covered a few of those already. I think you've already done a lot of I've them. I've done quite a few of those. Yeah. Um, but, um, I, I think, uh, I, I minimize now the use of tumble dryers, um, uh, because they just use up so much electricity and, We've got shortages at the moment, and so I'm very conscious of that. And also the price of electricity has gone up. Um, and um, so therefore tumble dryers are not being used nearly as much as I might have in the past. Um, but also it, it, um, things come out differently uh, when they're dried differently. Mm -hmm. um, so certainly bath towels, I always finish in the tumble dryer because it makes them fluffy and soft um, and and that's much nicer to use um, and uh, for your clothes do you um, what do you recommend um, hanging them um, laying them out or do you recommend tumble drying them um, depending on what they are if if they're um, jumpers and it's a lovely sunny day uh, I put them out on a clothes rack in the sun hanging uh, no, no. Um, wet woolens are not good um, hanging um, because they will always stretch. So it's always better to lay them flat. Okay. Any other tips there? I think the 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 other thing too is is uh, once you've um, ironed everything, put it straight in the cupboard straight away. I'm not very good at doing that at times, and sometimes my sunroom where I do the ironing has piles of very nicely ironed clothes and um, uh, and um, but it's actually better to actually put them all away and store them safely and particularly if they are um, valuable items if they're heritage or uh, heritage items tablecloths that you've got from your grandparents or whatever um, some people keep them for years I've I've got from various op shops absolutely brand new tablecloths that are over a hundred years old that have never been used um they're yellowed 
Um, but it doesn't matter because that can be easily fixed. But iron them and put them in the cupboard ready to use. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's very hard to find clothes when they're all in a huge pile. Well, exactly. You're speaking yep. from experience. Um, yes. yes. Um, I also have many pictures of our dog sleeping on top of massive piles. Yes, he loves it. washing. He loves it. Um, so I can speak from experience both from myself but also from you. <laughs> so we've got some questions from the audience now. Uh-huh. Um, so Kathina has asked, um, do you recommend cleaning um, uh, cleaning solutions using baking soda or vinegar? They can be very useful um, in uh, dealing particularly with um, older um, items. If you've, if you've got... Uh, I was talking about some of the inherited linens and things like that. Um, they can sometimes benefit um, from that, particularly if they've had starch, the old-fashioned starches and things in them. The starches, by the way, are very, very attractive to silverfish. And if you have holes in, in those old linens, it's often because there's still starch in there, which is just a, a magnet uh, for silverfish, and they eat the starch and the and the fibres at the same time. Um, but yes, um, vinegar is a, a, a very useful um, agent for, for cleaning and baking soda. They're both gentle. What do you use them for? Um, well, you can soak in, in those things if you've got stuff which is very yellowed. Um, there's lots of... Um, uh, products available now, um, nappy sand and all of those sorts of things, which are enzyme cleaners. Um, but that's a very old-fashioned enzyme cleaner. Do you use them together? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, so how often should uh, so this is Abdullah um, asks how often should a rug be washed and cleaned, um, say every year? Um, washing of rugs is very difficult because it's really a specialist task. Um, what my inclination is always to do is if you've got a washing line, take them outside um, and get a stick and beat them and get all the dust out of them um, because it's actually the dust in, the, in, the, uh, in between the fibres that destroys the rug um, because they act like little knives and cut the fibres. Um, so the more you clean the rug, the longer it will last. Um, but the best way of doing that is to put it over a fence or, or whatever and, and get a, um, a good solid stick and, and just beat the hell out of it. I tried using a uh, tennis racket. Uh, right. Well, that, that works as well, yes. Um, what about if there's um, a stain or something on the carpet? Get it professionally cleaned. Okay. Yeah. Um, particularly if it's a if it's a valuable rug, if it's a if it's a polypropylene, and they're very common these days, they're plastic. So um, don't use something which which is sort of um, highly chemical, um, but you just use one of the standard carpet cleaners and and spot clean it, and it should be fine. Okay. Um, what about for blankets? Um, blankets, uh, once again, air them. Mm -hmm. um, that's more important than anything else. Um, and, and duvets or dunas as well. Um, put them out. If you, so first sunny day that you get, um, hang them out in the sun. Um, if you ever visit the Netherlands, you'll see that, that um, good Dutch housewives, like my mother used to be, um, would take all the duvets 
and hang them out the window, uh, even in apartment blocks, just to get the sun and the air into them because it's so much healthier that way. Hmm. So Tanya asks, um, can I put wool in a tumble dryer? No, uh, definitely not. Um, that will felt it for sure. Okay. Um, that's the combination of heat and agitation. Exactly. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, and that sort of uh, leads on to her next question, which was, uh, do heat or hot water affect natural fibres? Um, yes, uh, particularly um, uh, woolen fibres. Um, if they are exposed to extreme heat, um, they they will deteriorate and and they will they will shrink and felt. Um, so Dia asks, um, which natural fibres are long lasting? All natural fibres are long lasting if you look after them, um, and particularly if you look at some of the Egyptian uh, natural fibres, which are thousands of years old. They've been kept in very dry circumstances. Um, they will they've lasted three four thousand years um so that is is possible also there are historic garments medieval garments which are made of wool and things like that um they if they're looked after properly they will last indefinitely um so the and that's just you know keeping them dry and aired as you and said stopping before. insect attack and insects yes is it worth spending more money on clothing made from natural fibres? Always. Always, because they have much better health properties um, um, and and much better warmth properties. Um, the linens and cottons are much cooler in summer than polyester uh, ever will be. Um, and, and in winter, uh, all sorts of wools and things like that are much warmer um, than, than acrylic, which is the other common alternative. So now uh, this is the open mic. Um, is there anything you'd like to talk about? That's not, or it doesn't have to be related to laundry or... Oh, well, that's giving me a, a very <laughs> uh, wide scope. Um, I think the, the, the crucial thing, and I think the movement around the world over the last... Um, couple of decades has been towards much more natural things. Growing your own food, uh, and especially during COVID, people looking after gardens for the first time or gardening for the first time because they realise just how important all of these things are for our health. Um, also going out and walking and, and walking around the beautiful parks around Melbourne, for example. Um, people have really understood the health benefits and it's all part of of a move towards a much more natural and much more sustainable uh, existence. One of the things with uh, one of the terrible things that you see is the mountains of polyester clothes that are now turning up in third world countries or developing countries that they just don't know what to do with anymore. And and. I've seen documentaries on it where there are just mountains and mountains of clothes that will not break down because they are, are synthetic fibres. Um, at least um, with this, this um, current trend of, with disposable fashion, that if you're buying natural fibres, at least they will break down um, and, and regenerate, whereas the synthetics won't. I guess um, the reason that moths 
and silver silver fish. Yep. They eat the fabrics because it's edible. That's right. Um, yes. And it means that if you discard the clothing, eventually it'll be eaten. Well, that's right. And also uh, many cottons and things like that are compostable. Mm. Um, so you can cut them up and, and put them into your compost heap. They do take quite a while to, to break down completely, um, but it is perfectly possible to do those things. The dye wouldn't interfere? No. Okay. No. I don't have a compost bin, but yeah. um, and I've also seen that um, a lot of the polyester clothes we have washes off into the waterways, creating yes, microplastics. That's right. Yes, mm. that's a, a, another bigger issue that we have to deal with, um, along with all the plastic bottles and and everything else that are ending up in the sea. Um, fibers also can can do that and. Um, can't be digested, um, and and so therefore it's really it's really important uh, that we focus on on natural fibres and and trying to live as natural life as possible mm. um, w- without returning to to mud floored huts and uh, those that sort of more natural existence. Mm, bit too natural. Bit too natural. Mm. Yes. Great. Well, thank you for um, coming in and talking to me about how to wash natural um, natural fibers. Um, I certainly learnt a bit more, but I've already knew a lot <laughs> because you're the one who taught me over the years exactly. um, how to care for my clothes. That's right. Um, but I think certainly some of that science um, about why you do or don't wash things in certain temperatures yeah. um, and in, uh, that that's certainly new to me so thank you mm. you're welcome um, yeah, it was great to talk to you thank you you've been listening to On the House produced by the Household Management Science Labs a division of LMSL the Life Management Science Labs more episodes like this from across 10 life management perspectives can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify and YouTube and any other podcasting apps available on your smart devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating, sharing and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people to find it so we can grow and continue to bring you quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website hm.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Gabriella Yastra. Thanks for tuning in.